hearts on fire for Jesus, a new identity. It's a good question, isn't it? Who am I? What defines me? Who are you? What defines you? I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a has-been hockey player, I'm a... I'm an exercise junkie, I, I'm, what am I? I'm a people pleaser, I'm a person that lives in Evans Head, I'm a, who am I? I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, I'm a, but really, who am I? What defines me? What is it that truly is who I am? Who is it that defines you? Yeah, it's going to get there, Annette, don't, don't get too quick on me. What is it defines us? Because we actually live in a world that wants to define us in a whole lot of different ways, doesn't it? We live in a world that uh, is full of all these expectations and all these play things placed on us to be something or to be somebody. Uh, we are in a world that is so connected that we're either want to know what we're liked and who we're liked by, who we're Instagram by, who we're connected to, all those sorts of things, all these expectations on what we are like. Or we read magazines or we look at the TV and we've got all these people that we are supposed to look like, all these people that are beautiful and gorgeous who have perfectly white teeth, who don't have any celluloid anywhere, who don't have a, a, a barrel at the front but a six-pack at the front. We have all these expectations on us to be somebody, to look like somebody, to have all these things. And sometimes I think when we have all these expectations on this, all these things loaded on us, it's almost like we're getting squashed at the bottom and we don't know who we are. Because we think we have to be everything else and everyone else. I don't know whether you've ever played the game Stacks On. It's a fun game. Uh, What happens is uh, you call out somebody's name and you say, Stacks On. So if it was Benny Bourne, we'd call out Benny Bourne stacks on him, we'd all run out, the whole lot of us, and land on top of him and come down something. That's what these guys are doing here. There's stacks on. You'll notice that there's one person at the bottom. Everyone else at the top is smiling and laughing and the people at the bottom are going... It's like that, I think, in life. We're in life at the bottom. And there's all these things on top of us, stacking on top of us and pushing us down and we're at the bottom and we're going, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I should be. I don't know what I'm defined by. And so we're getting squashed out by all these other expectations, all these other things that people want upon us, what the world says we should look like, what the world says we should buy, what the world says we should wear, what we should be, but who are we? Well, I hope this morning that what will happen as we look into God's word, when we see what he says about who we are, that this pile will start to be removed and we'll start to breathe again and we'll know who we are. So open your Bibles up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we're going to look at verses 11 through to uh, uh, 19. Ben's going to read for us. Uh, we're going to be concentrating on verses 14 to 19, uh, 17, but we're going to just put it in the context so we can see what it is. So, Ben, if you can come up and read it for us, that would be great. Yeah. So, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 19. Yeah, you said that. Okay. 
Um, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 19. Since then, we know what is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others what, it, what we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to you, plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of mind, as some say, is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer are regarded Christ from so though we regarded Christ in this way. So we do no longer, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not reconciling people's sins against them. And he has committed up to us the message of reconciliation. If you've uh, got your uh, service sheets, you'll notice on the inside of the service sheet is an outline. You can follow along with me on there and you can take notes if you'd like to. And you'll also notice that it goes up on our website during the week. You can look at that and every now and then I actually send it out for you to have a read of as well. Uh, But the first thing we see that in this passage is that we have a new life. That last week we heard that when we're on the new road with Jesus, that we're on following him, then we find out this week that we've got a new life in him. If you ever look down there in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who lived should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He's written one letter to them. This is his second letter to him. And these Corinthians have had a pretty good run at some point in time. They actually got on the road with Jesus. They were following Jesus. Their hearts were on fire for Jesus. Uh, But then they were starting to hit a few hills and a few potholes and a few bumps, just like they're driving to Lismore on the Wairala Road. And as they were doing that, the odd wheel was coming off. They were getting the odd puncture. And so Paul writes back to them and he wants to bring them back to the truth. And in verses 11 to 12, he says, people are looking at the outside, guys, but God's looking at the heart. And what happens in the heart, he says in verse 14, is that you have been made new, that Jesus died so that we died, so that we can have a new life in him. Jesus died on the cross, and at the cross, we also die. That is, all that we have ever done wrong, our sin, our rebellion against God has been taken by him. Our brokenness has been taken by him. His scars bore our pain, 
and our brokenness so that we can live. So that has been died. That is death. That has been put to death by Jesus. He has done that for us. His love compels us to live that out. His love took him to the cross so that our past lives can be dealt with and are dead. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. I'm going to play you a clip that I think helps encapsulate that and show us what Jesus has done for us. God's unending love for us was nailed to a tree for you and I so that we could have life. So we have life that goes on forever and Jesus' scars remind us of that, of the pain that he went through for you and I. His death for ours, his life becomes ours and so that now we we can live for him. Oh, that doesn't look too good, does it? Can you read that? Uh, That changed the font on me when I put it up on this screen. This is a quote I read during the week. It says, No power so great, no motivation so strong as to know someone loves you. Paul says he's compelled by love, the love of God through Jesus on the cross for us and that love compels him to live a new life, a life for Jesus and not a life for himself, not a life for anyone else but a life for Jesus is what he says there, doesn't he? Sorry, go back that one. In life for Jesus in verse 14 and 15 there he says, Now you shall live a life for him. You see, no longer do we have to live so that we can be Instagram. No longer do we live so that we can have so many likes on Facebook. No longer do we have to live so that we're popular down at the bowling club. No longer do we have to live so that we please our family. No longer do we have to live so that we please anyone, really. All we have to do now is to live for Jesus, for him and him alone. There are no expectations upon you but his and his is the one that is one of love and we see that he empowers us to live for him a little bit longer. We don't need to pile all these other things on us, do we? We don't need to put all these other expectations on us because the only one that we need to live for is Jesus. Now don't get me wrong, that has a whole lot of implications when it works out when we live in a community. But we're not living in community so that people say, you're wonderful. You're not living in community so that people say, man, you're you're, you're amazing. How good are you at sport? You're not living in community so that people say, man, you've got a great house. You've got a great job. You're a wonderful person. No, we're living in community so that people see Jesus because we're living for him. All those expectations are taken off us because of him. Are you starting to feel the pile lifted slightly? The pile has been taken off. You don't have those expectations anymore. You are to live for Jesus. He's removed that pile for you. And in that, that gives us a new view of everyone else as well. So look at that in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. No longer do we look at people in the same way. No longer do we look at them and think, oh, how good is that person because they've got the nicest car? No longer do we look at them and think they're amazing just because they can do sporting ability. No longer do we look at them just because they're so popular. No longer do we look at them because they've got money. No longer do we look at them from that perspective. No longer do we just go for friends because they look like they're nice people. 
No longer do we treat people because of what they've got or what they do. Because no longer do we view Jesus that way either, do we? You see, Paul, who wrote this letter, before he met Jesus, viewed him that other way. Jesus was a failure. He died on a cross. Jesus was a fake. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Jesus was a, he was a, an imposter. He wasn't the right one. Jesus was someone who was killed outside the city on a tree. He is hopeless. But Paul's view changed when he met Jesus, didn't he? Paul's view changed. So he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one to live for. And that changed his view how he saw everybody from now on. Sees them in completely different light. It's not about what they do. It's not about who they are. It's not about what they have. It's about where they're at with Jesus is how he views them. You see, we live in a world, don't we, where image is everything. The heroes that we have these days are the ones that can get 30 seconds on YouTube. The heroes we have these days are the ones that can blast a cricket ball out of the out of the stadium. The heroes that we have these days are people who do these things and their image, they're big, they're bulky, they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, they've got money, they've got power, they've got possession. It's image is everything. I'm involved, oh well, I'm on a website called LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is a place where uh, they try to link you in with all these other people and professionals all over the place. And in this LinkedIn site, what they do is uh, you get up a profile, they put it up there for you, people like you, people uh, recommend you, endorse you and all these sorts of things. And you have photos that go with it to see who you are. Now, uh, it's interesting going through the photos and seeing what people put up as the photos that they want so that people will link with them. Now, I thought, I might have a bit of fun with this. What about I put up this photo? How many people do you think would link in with me with that photo? Obviously, I didn't do that, but I thought about it. But, you see, image, it's about looking good. It's looking smart, looking professional. It's all about the image. Now, don't get me wrong, there's some good things about LinkedIn. It can be very helpful. But the fact that we are just continually bombarded with that means that not only do we start thinking that way about us, but we start thinking that way about others. We start looking at people and thinking, ah, I'm not sure whether I'm going to be like that person. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the social class they're in, the education background they've gone, the school they've been to, the town they live in, the colour of their skin, the country they come from, the way they speak. Whereas Paul says, in Jesus we have a new life and we have a new view of people. We see them differently. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't look at people that way. We see them from who they are in Jesus. We see them from God's point of view, from Jesus' glass. We put on Jesus' glasses and we see them from his point of view, not the world's point of view. I don't know about you, but I don't wear glasses here. and Maybe that's an image thing. But I actually wear glasses. And as often just recently, I had to go and get, try some other glasses on because I was finding I couldn't see very well with my new glasses. And so you go into these stores, because I'm too cheap to go to the optometrist, so you go to the cheap stores and you pick up those glasses, that 1 point, 1.5, 2 3 and you get this little piece of paper in front. They said, if you can read this clearly, this is the type of glasses that you want. So you put ones on and you go, you've got to get in the right spot or you put on the really strong ones and you go, whoa. 
and you're like buzzed out because it's too all over the place. But then you put the right ones on and they respond, oh, I can read that. How good is that? I think that's sometimes what we do in life, don't we? We need to have Jesus' glasses on because he brings things into view correctly. He brings our view of others in line correctly. We don't start to see them because of what they're like or what they do or how they uh, respond and those sorts of things. But we look at them behind, from Jesus' eyes, people who need to know him and love him and live for him. And that is everybody. Paul says he's compelled by love because he has a new life because Jesus loved him and now he starts to live and see people differently. That lifts some of that pile off you again, doesn't it? You don't have to be going around judging everybody by what they do and who they are. No, they are all people who are loved by God who need to know and be loved by Jesus. Everyone. It gives us a new life. We've got a new view and we actually start to see ourselves differently. You see, it says, therefore, in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone the new is here. That is a fantastic verse to memorise, guys. That is a great verse when you're in the middle of everything going on in you to remind yourself, who are you? In Jesus, in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You see, we are a new creation in Jesus. We have been made new, we are being redesigned, we are being made more and more like Jesus because he places himself in us through his spirit and we are being transformed to be more like Jesus in every way. Like Bob did with the children's talk, the new has come. You don't need those old typewriters anymore, you don't need the old phone even though we might like to go back there sometimes, but really we wouldn't. And that's sometimes like sin, isn't it? Sometimes we think, oh, I'd like to go back to that but really, no. The new iPhone 6 is even better than the iPhone 4. Seriously. They are better. The butterfly is amazing and beautiful compared to the one it was before. The tadpole to the frog, from us before we knew Jesus to who we are in Jesus, are new creations. We have been made new in him And that is where our identity is to be found in him and in nothing else because everything else will destroy you. Only him gives you life now and forever. It is only found in him. How good news is that? What wonderful news to know that in Jesus the pile has been removed and now we can start to live for him. No longer do we have to think about being the best in whatever. No longer do we have to try and be someone who we're not. Because in Jesus, we are new. And that verse, we actually miss it a little bit in the translation that we have on the screen. Uh, it actually, in one of the translations, it has, Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. It's actually a pronouncement. It's actually like a victory speech. It's actually saying that the old self has been removed. It's gone, now you are new. All that has held you back, all that's going to try and tie you back to the past is gone. You are new. 
sin, death, rebellion has been dealt with by Jesus. Now you are new in him. Behold, you have the victory in him. We need to remind each other of that, don't we? We need to remind each other by remembering that because there's times, aren't we? I know there's times in my life and I'm walking down the street and I start thinking, well, I wonder what someone's thinking of me wearing these clothes. Or there's times when I think, you know, what, what's going on? What, what, what view do people have of me now and what I'm doing, what's going on? Do I need to have, being a pastor, do I need to have the, really the biggest church on the North Coast? If you're in business, do I have to have the biggest business, the greatest business? Do I need to be known as being the greatest businessman? Do I need to be known as the greatest teacher? Do I need to be known as the best bowler? Do I need to be known as that really nice person around town? Now, some of those things aren't bad, are they? But when we start putting our identity on them, they let you down. Because you may not be. And you'll fall and you won't do it right. And people may not like you all the time. And you may not be the nicest person. And there'll be times when you don't teach that well. There'll be times when your business isn't great. And there'll be times when you're not the prettiest, the best, the most liked, the most Instagrammed, the most followers. You see, when we put our identity in these things, they fail you. They let you down. But when our identity is in Jesus, who loved us and died for us and rose again, who gives us life and his spirit within us to live for him, then we are free. We are set free from all those expectations, all that image. We can live a life, the life that God desired us and designed us to live in him. Because we've been given a new passport, haven't we? We've been given a new identity in Jesus. Who are we? We're in Christ. What's our address? Heavenly home. What's our occupation? Follower of Jesus. That's who we are. In him, that is our identity. Who am I? Who are you? What defines me? What defines you? You see, if we're on the new road with Jesus, then we have a new identity in Jesus. We are in Christ. We are dead to sin. We are truly alive. We are loved by Jesus. We are a new creation. Now we need to remind ourselves of that daily, don't we? But we need to remind each other of that as well. You know, when you're talking to people and you're chatting to them and they're going on it and maybe they're mentioning to you that they're not not feeling as worthwhile anymore, we're not sure, remind them who they are in Jesus. They are loved. They have a new life. They are a new creation. When you're getting down and belted because you think, well, maybe not everything's going the way that it should do. When you're feeling knocked out because it's not running the way it should be, remind each other who we are. When maybe we're feeling like we're not being invited to all the things we're supposed to be invited, maybe we don't have as many friends as other people have. Maybe we're not getting along to things. Maybe we're not in the places that... Remind us who we are in Jesus. 
couple of weeks ago we talked about speaking the truth in love means speaking the gospel to each other. That is reminding each other of the truths of what God has said about us and who we are in him. These are great things for us to know, aren't they? These are things when we're really feeling like we're getting ripped on the inside and ripped apart, destroyed by all the expectations of everything in the world. We need to be reminded of this. And even in Christian circles, don't we? Because we get expectations on us too. Oh, if you're a Christian, we wouldn't let your kids do that. Oh, as a Christian, well, you really should be living like this. Oh, as a Christian now, well, look, your, your, your home should look pristine. It should be fabulous. You should be able to cook like this. This is the role that you should have. If you're a Christian, you should be like this. We pile expectations on ourselves, don't we, as Christians as well? Not just the world, but we put all these extra things on us and we pile them on other people and even if people aren't piling it, we pile it on ourselves. Guys, we've been set free. The pile has been taken. No longer do we need to do that. We've been set free in Jesus. We don't have anyone's expectations on us except to live for him and him alone. Don't take it on and don't pile it on. Don't take on the expectations of the world or other Christians and don't pile it onto others as well. Don't place your expectations onto others either. Our identity. Who are we? We're in Christ is who we are. We are in Jesus. On that new road as followers for Jesus, as our hearts on fire for him, we are in him and he is in us. We have a new life. The pile has been lifted, guys. It's been taken off as Jesus taken. Don't put it back on you. He's got it. He nailed it to the cross for you. Don't take it off him. He's put it there. You have a new life in him. You have a new view of others. You start to see them as people who are loved by God, who need to love Jesus and to love Jesus back. And you have a new view of yourself. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. What is that? Let's remind each other regularly of that. Let's remind yourself of that. And let's praise God for it because there is nothing like it, guys. It's an amazing life to live knowing that in your identity is in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Let's take a moment to ponder what we've just read and what we've just heard. This is an amazing passage in the Bible, Lord. There's so much wrapped up in it and we're going to look at it again in a couple of weeks' time in regards to that message of reconciliation that you've given us. But now, Lord, we just want to focus in and think about what you've done for us in Jesus. That we are new... We are a new creation. We have a new life. We have a new view on the world. We have a new view on others. And we have a new view of ourselves. Lord, please, by your Spirit, drive that into our hearts. May our hearts be on fire with that, Lord. And may that, 
just release us to live lives you've designed us to live, lives free from expectations, lives free from guilt, lives free from the perception of others, lives lived wholly and fully for you, Lord. Lord, that only happens as your Spirit does a work in our hearts. Lord, we pray your Spirit will do that in us this morning, this day and for the rest of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.